Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Lyle, and I practice obstetrics and gynecology, and welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how we treat the pre-born as patients, how we do blood transfusions, open-heart surgery, spina bifida corrective surgery, and even laser vascular surgery. And a patient is a person, no matter how small. So join us as we engage in the greatest spiritual battle of our lives, and we provide education and encouragement for all of our pastors and our churchgoers as we lead with the message of the gospel, because the gospel is going to be the answer to winning the battle for life in the womb, because we are created in the image of God at the moment of conception. So, Bill, I am so glad to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Would you introduce yourself as if you were talking to a handful of executive directors of pregnancy clinics? Sure. My name is Dr. Bill Lyle. I practice obstetrics and gynecology. I'm board certified in obstetrics and gynecology, licensed to practice medicine in Florida and Alabama. And in 1999, when I finished my residency training, the practice that I took over was the largest abortion clinic in the area of Pensacola, Florida. We took over the practice. We had the former abortionist sign a restrictive covenant where he couldn't practice any other type of medicine in our tri-county area. And then on day one, we stopped all abortions, all abortion referrals. We invited the staff to stay. And now I still have a full-time practice. I've delivered about 4,000 babies, but we travel the country coast to coast, working with groups like Heartbeat International, CareNet, Focus on the Family, Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson, Alliance Defending Freedom, a family leader out in Des Moines, Iowa, teaching how we treat the preborn as patients, how this is an issue about patients' rights and their individuals. And as a patient, they are a person, no matter how small. But we also educate about the abortion pill, the difference between the morning after pill and the abortion pill, and how, yeah, we can safely reverse the effect of the abortion pill by giving a medication called progesterone. The abortion pill blocks this life continuing medication, and we just supplement with progesterone. Healthy moms, healthy babies. I've attempted 17 reversals now, and to date, we've been successful on 13 of those 17 attempts. And nationwide, we have a network of about 500 practitioners, and we have, in December of 2022, we documented successful reversal number 4,000. I mean, that is the redemption power of buying back but this is not just a choice. This is a spiritual battle. So we always engage with scripture. We lead with scripture. And our job is to encourage the church and church, encourage our pastors, give them the information and training to engage the church in the greatest spiritual battle of our lives. Wow. 76%. I just did the math on 13 out yeah. of 13 out of 16 or uh, out of 17. That's That's amazing. What a... What an incredible yeah. result. Nationwide, we're uh, about 70% successful nationwide. So going back to your story of taking over the largest abortion clinic to, well, the, the clinic that did the largest number of abortions in Pensacola, Florida, and providing services, but then removing the abortion service from the options. What was that like emotionally for you to, to do that? Like that's, that, that seems like, can you ex describe your emotions and just the, if you were to share for a few minutes, I just, what that was like, I would like to hear that. Sure. Well, the goal was to take over the practice 
and to stop the abortions. That was the goal when we went in, had him sign the restrictive covenant. The emotions occurred on the first day after church where I actually had a key where I could go to my office, my new office. We had toured the first floor with the waiting room, exam rooms and offices, but I had never been to the second floor upstairs where they had the surgical suite where they actually performed the abortions. And I will never forget, I don't remember what our pastor preached that day, but I can, I'll never forget going up those stairs and just thinking, this has been there for decades. This clinic has performed tens of thousands of abortions right here on the same road as Pensacola Christian College. And like, nobody even knew it was here. Nobody really was mm. there protesting hardly. And so I walked up those stairs and I couldn't help but think how many thousands of moms with a baby on the inside had gone up that set of stairs, spent 20 minutes up there on the second floor, and then went down another set of stairs without that baby in their womb. And I'm like, we have a, the only high-risk obstetrical center right a block away. We are treating babies as patients in the womb over there. We're doing blood transfusions to babies in the womb, yet they are taking the lives of babies in the womb here. And then we were having a big campaign about the sea turtles. And over on Pensacola Beach, just five miles away, you know, the sea turtles were laying their eggs. And if you just disturb a pre-born sea turtle in Florida, there is federal law and there is state law. You can be fined $100,000 and you can go to jail for a year. So I'm like, how can we have these laws? And that was based on the U.S. Endangered Species Act, which was passed by Congress, signed by the president. But the irony is the U.S. Endangered Species Act was also passed in 1973, the same year as Roe versus Wade. So in the same year, you have the Supreme Court saying we're not going to provide protection for babies. But you have Congress and the president saying we're going to provide protection. So when I got upstairs and I saw went turned the corner and I saw the abortion machine, all the instruments ready for the next day's abortions. That's when I truly felt. Yeah, I didn't hear a mm. voice, but I knew this was my calling. So in 1999, we formed our ministry, which is ProLifeDoc.org, and we have traveled. We probably go out of state 50 to 55 times a year speaking coach to coast, teaching, appearing on podcasts, radio shows, TV shows, just trying to provide this information because people need to have informed consent. And when the abortion industry does not inform their patients of what an abortion actually is and the trauma that comes from that abortion. So that was our calling. That's what we've been doing. What was the uh, staff's um, response? Um, did some of, you know, how many staff stayed to with the new direction? Sure. Well, we welcomed the staff and we said, this is, we're the new guys and these are going to be the new rules. If you, you know, refer somebody for an abortion or you give them more information, that'll be grounds for termination. This is the new direction of this practice. Every one of them, we said, you're welcome to stay. And everyone stayed. And one of the chief nurses that was involved in that practice. She still follows all of my videos, follows my website and, uh, and keeps encouraging me. But I think they just got caught up in, you know, the false narrative that was being pushed on them. And they thought they were providing a service when a service is really what pregnancy centers do, where they don't just, you know, stand up and say, this is the decision you need to make. Mm. They're there to actually meet their needs. They're there to meet their emotional needs, their physical needs, their medical needs, of, you know, find them housing, find them supplies, counseling the dads, counseling the families. 
That's what healthcare is supposed to be about, not just taking the life of the baby. So they all stayed and uh, were welcome to stay. What's the process to take over a clinic like this? Like, what what does that look like? Did you, was it like buying a company or was it like becoming the new head doctor that the clinic works under the supervision of? Oh, it's pretty common to take over another person's practice in the, that's already been okay. established. If you're coming out of residency and you want to establish a practice and you don't want to just hang a shingle and not have a single person, I mean, they they performed uh, gynecology there as well, but it's standard you know, practice here in the state of Florida to have the seller of a practice to sign a non-compete, a restrictive covenant where, okay, I'm going to take over your practice. I'm going. We're going to pay you X amount of money to take over your charts and your patients and your practice. But I don't want mm. you setting up a new practice right next door. So it's customary to have them sign this non-compete where it might be two years, it might be three years, and that's just standard where they walk on the practice. After that time or in an area outside the geographic area, they can set up a practice, but uh, it's just the way that things work. Wow, that's just remarkable. And so, and in Florida, uh, we, I, I know of um, Martha Villa, well, she's in Miami, Florida, and they actually, I think they've, they have two buildings where they actually um, brought their pricey clinic and, well, and op- occupied where one abortion clinic was literally the day before, and another abortion clinic was there like four year, a couple, well, a period of time before they went in. And, and one of the directors of the abortion clinic is now on her team and is completely pro-life. Yeah. And so I, I've never heard of any other, outside of Florida, I have not heard of people taking over abortion clinics and making them, you know, like reclaiming them for life and for God. And, and so speaking of Florida, uh, based on yeah. my understanding, Florida has one of the highest per capita, when it comes to uh, the number of abortions per capita, it's very, very high, or maybe the highest, what I've heard. Yeah, what are your New thoughts on the number of Florida? Yeah. But we were yeah. making changes. I mean, Florida was averaging about 80,000 abortions per year. That number has been dropping. But, you know, figures lie in liars' figures. So when you look at reported statistics, you really don't know what that really translates into, uh, especially since the abortion pill is now the most commonly common way that abortions are performed. And okay. in around the country, prior to COVID, about 39% of all the abortions in the United States were performed with the abortion pill. Now it's at least 54%. It's available in a lot of states, mail order. It's like in California, it's available through the, uh, the school health system. You can get the abortion pill. But Florida used to have a, a gestational cap of 24 weeks, and they went through the legislative process and that's been dropped now to 15 weeks. And now there's already talk throughout the new legislature under the leadership of uh, Governor DeSantis that the next step is to go from 15 weeks down to 12 weeks gestation. So Florida is moving in the right direction. We have, you know, abortion clinics which are closing all throughout the state, which is great. I mean, we have some of the highest quality health care, especially as far as treating babies in the womb. At my hospital, we have done blood transfusions directly into the circulation of babies as early as 18 weeks gestation. I mean, saving their lives. So if we can save their lives and do surgery on these babies, they are clearly patients. Uh, One of the first things you learn in medical school 
is that a patient is a person is entitled to respect and bodily integrity. Well, if a patient is a person and is entitled to respect and bodily integrity, and we're doing open heart surgery, spina bifida surgery, laser vascular surgery, and blood transfusions, clearly that baby in the womb is a patient. And if they are a patient, then they are a person and they have rights. Wow. There's so much there. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm, I'm going to go back sure. to the school system piece. So you mentioned that there are school systems that are just, that are subscribing through like their nursing room or the school nurse APR. Oh, sure. At the California. Is that at the middle school that or have... high school or what? What oh, age no, group is, is that the, covering? This is at the college level. Oh, college level. Um, the... Oh, okay college level, all the California colleges and universities through their health health center has uh, the abortion pill available. And what we have to take an opportunity is to define the difference between the morning after pill and the abortion pill, because a lot of people don't know the difference. Pastors, medical workers, the morning after pill is indicated for the morning after a woman has had intercourse. And what it does is it forces her to have a menstrual cycle. She doesn't know if she is even pregnant. Her pregnancy test is negative. And it's still evil because if she happened to have perfect timing and she happened to get, you know, to have ovulated and got pregnant that night, it will force her to have a menstrual cycle. And that's available over the counter in different pharmacies around the country. How does that differ from the, the abortion pill? Well, instead of being the morning after pill, think of the abortion pill as the 70 mornings after pill. The abortion pill is indicated for 10 weeks into a pregnancy. I mean, we can see the heart beating at four or five weeks on an ultrasound. Most patients that come into an obstetrician when they get their first ultrasound, they're maybe six, seven, maybe eight weeks along. This will kill a baby in the womb 98% of the time, up to 10 weeks gestation. And because physicians can prescribe, you know, uh, outside of indications, and that's acceptable, a lot of centers are offering the abortion pill at 12 weeks gestation, even 13 weeks gestation. And so we're seeing this growth in the abortion pill. Um, but a lot of people don't know the, you know the difference with that. It's available mail order. And just most recently, as of yesterday, uh, CVS and Walgreens announced that with the new changes made in the by the FDA, that the abortion pill will actually be able to be uh, filled uh through the pharmacy, CVS, and Walgreens around the country. They're going to still follow whatever state laws they have, but that's a huge difference. You don't have to go to an abortion clinic to pick up your abortion pill. You don't have to have it mail order. You can just have it called in, and even if there isn't an abortion clinic in your area geographically, you have a CVS, you have a, a Walgreens, and you'll be able to pick that up as well. Hmm. Wow. That's what's what's a response to CVS and Walgreens offering the abortion? Pill? You know, there. Well, first, a lot of people don't even know about it. It just happened yesterday. Uh, there's a group that I'm a life member of, which I highly recommend you follow and look at their website. And it's APLOG, the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. They've already come out with statements saying, this is just not good medicine. First, we've already had statements saying that the abortion pill is not health care. This is not medicine. This is killing a baby in the womb. But just from the medical standpoint, it's not good practice of medicine. Number one, the number one 
pregnancy-related cause of death in the first trimester of pregnancy for pregnant women is still a ruptured tubal pregnancy. About 1% of all pregnancies will be ectopic, meaning they're not, it's a egg and sperm came together, but it is not in the lining of the uterus. It can be in the tube, on the ovary, on the bowel, and it can rupture. And that is still the number one pregnancy-related cause of death in the first trimester. When a woman doesn't have an ultrasound done, you know with a pregnancy test, she's pregnant. And as soon as they come into our office, we confirm that they're pregnant and we do an ultrasound, not just for fun and measuring, but we want to know where is this pregnancy because 1% of the time it's going to be ectopic. Well, when a woman is pregnant, has a positive pregnancy test and is given the abortion pill and she is told you're going to have bleeding, cramping, and pain. Well, what are the symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy? They're the exact same. It is bleeding, cramping, and pain. And so we are already having women hurt and killed because they thought they were having the symptoms of the abortion pill. Truly, they were having a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. So APLOG has come out and says, that's one reason this is bad medicine. The other thing is that they're also not being assessed for what their blood type is. Because the standard of care for decades has been if a woman has RH negative blood, and that can be A negative, B negative, AB negative, O negative. She has RH negative blood and she's pregnant. And say she comes in, she's having a miscarriage in the ER uh, and she, or she is having bleeding. We <laughs> give them a shot of something called Rogam, which prevents them from developing antibodies, which could affect a future pregnancy. Well, now we don't even, the standard of care for the abortion pills, nah, you don't even have to worry about their blood type. It's probably not going to be an issue. So we've compromised the health of women just for the fact of getting more abortions. And now you have states that allow mail order abortions where family moms and dads don't even know that their daughter is pregnant, let alone that she's eight weeks pregnant and she's taking the abortion pill and it's mailed to their house in a plain old brown wrapper. And your daughter could be having a, an abortion upstairs in your bedroom and you don't even know she's pregnant to begin with. So it's mm. really bad medicine, and there are 7,000 members of APLOG. There are 60,000 OBGYNs in the whole country. So more than 10% of the OBGYNs are board, I mean, are, you know, dues-paying members of APLOG who are board-certified, practice high-quality obstetrics and gynecology, and they say, you know what, ACOG does not speak for us. We recognize that the babies in the womb are patients, and we say that abortion and the abortion pill is not health care, and this is wrong. And these are not mm. just general OBGYNs. These are GYN oncologists. These are high-risk obstetricians who are setting their foot down and saying, no, we don't all agree, and abortion is not health care. I think I have heard once that when the baby's blood type differs from the mom's blood blood type based on certain combinations that that's when the yeah when those antibodies can be created because of the the baby having a different blood type conflicts yeah. in a and, certain way you know from the moment of conception that when one egg and one sperm get together that baby is genetically unique from the mom genetically unique from the dad i mean the baby is genetically unique from the other eight billion people on the planet and yeah Babies not only are genetically unique, half the time they have a different gender than the mom, but babies also can have different blood types. And when moms have antibodies from a previous pregnancy, those antibodies can cross 
the placenta go through the umbilical cord and start to attack the baby's blood count. Well, you know, it used to be that when we saw that the baby was getting sick, we're like, oh, we probably need to deliver this baby. But sometimes they were too preterm to even survive. So now what do we do? We can actually, when baby's blood counts are dropping because the moms have antibodies which are attacking the baby's blood count, well, just if you got in a bad accident or you hurt yourself, cut yourself, the ER would give you a blood transfusion. Well, we give babies blood transfusions in the womb where it's donated blood. If you have O negative blood and you've been to one blood or the Red Cross or your church has a blood drive, we can use your donated blood put it in a, in a syringe, guide a needle th with an ultrasound through the skin, through the wall of the uterus, right up to the umbilical cord, and give that baby a life-saving blood transfusion of your donated blood. And sometimes we have to do this every four or five weeks during the pregnancy because the mom's antibodies are still attacking the baby. But that, wow. fulfills, the greatest what, that fulfills the greatest commandment. I mean, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees trying to trick him up, they said, you know, teacher, you know, what's... What's the greatest commandment of all these rules and laws? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. If your neighbor was going to die without a blood transfusion, would you be willing to give a unit of blood for your neighbor to survive? Sure. That's the greatest commandment. Treat your neighbor as yourself. Well, you, we are doing the same thing, treating the baby in the womb as our neighbors by not only having the science and the technology, but having a blood unit donation that we can give to the baby and save the baby's life wow and so and in february aplog so i i'm in tucson arizona and aplog is actually coming oh. to tucson for their annual conference yeah. um and it's gonna be a beautiful time of year to be in tucson when it's you can wear shorts instead of having to worry about oh. wearing burkas <laughs> yeah, my so my family all lives in uh, Scottsdale, so I know the oh, weather. Oh yeah, I, I exactly. Was, uh, Same weather. I'll out, yep, I'll be out in Scottsdale <laughs> the end of this month. So we do a lot of work with Alliance Defending Freedom, which is located right there in Scottsdale. We do a lot That's of work right. yeah. with the with CAP, the uh, uh, Center for Arizona Policy, with Carrie Kathy Herod. So yes. there's some strong people. Uh, Arizona's gotten a little purple recently. But uh, you know, we've got a lot of yeah, new voters coming in from uh, there's friction like there. California. There is, <laughs> yeah. there's no doubt. But I think at its yeah. core, the people of Arizona value life. They value the principles on which this nation was founded on. And Arizona will work this out and we'll get back to defending life and to the principles of this God-founded country that we live in. So my next question is, can you consider where you've seen God's fingerprints? And whether it be in the medical sphere or in your pro-life work in the different ways that you've been connected with, with clients and patients, with, um, with being a speaker, where, where have you seen God's fingerprints? What stories come to mind? Oh, God is just all throughout this. I mean, one of the easiest things is how people don't even know each other, but they're working for a common good. And then God just sort of weaves their kingdom work together. One of my first abortion pill reversals lived in Destin, Florida. She lived in Destin, Florida, and she found out she was about nine weeks pregnant. And she's like, hadn't even told her boyfriend. She's like, oh my gosh, he's going to flip out. And she wanted to get the abortion pill. She, you know, she knew the cap was at 10 weeks. So the closest clinic that offered the abortion pill was actually in Tallahassee, Florida, about an hour, hour and a half north of her. 
So she called up to Tallahassee and she speaks with the clinic and says, hey, I've got to get in there. I'm nine weeks pregnant. I need to get the abortion pill. And they said, look, we can't get you in for two weeks. We're just jammed. So she said, well, what do you suggest? And they said, we suggest going to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, which is almost a five-hour drive from Destin. So she drives to Jacksonville. They get her the abortion pill. She signs the consent, swipes her credit card, and then she gets on Interstate 10, and she's got a five-hour drive back to Destin. Somebody was touched by God and whispered to by the Holy Spirit to put up a billboard. And they put up a billboard, and this billboard said, uh, heartbeat at 18 days, and it showed an ultrasound of a little baby on the billboard. That touched her heart. She still kept driving. She kept driving on the other side of the interstate is another billboard that says, your mom chose life, you should too. That was enough to convict her. She pulls over to the next Mm. rest area on Interstate 10. She Googles abortion pill antidote. That happened to take her to our website, which is abortionpillreversal.com. The nurse that was working the hotline got her information, contacted me, and I contacted the patient, got all the information, and then we, you know, I said, keep on driving. I'm going to call in this prescription to your pharmacy. She keeps on driving. She goes to the pharmacy, and I call her later that night, make sure everything is okay. And then we saw her in the office the next Monday, 98% chance we weren't going to have a heartbeat. We had a heartbeat, you know. And so do I know any of these people put up the billboards now? Do I know the nurse that was manning the hotline? I've even called pharmacies before to call in this prescription for Prometrium. And I had one pharmacist who said, she paused and she goes, Dr. Lyle? She said, are are you trying to reverse the abortion pill? Well, my first thought was, it's none of your business why I'm calling this in. But I said, you were told to be bold. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she goes, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. She goes, I've never been involved in this. I've read about this, but I've never prescribed Prometrium for this reason. She goes, this is great. I said, well, look, she doesn't have any money. She just spent all of her money on the abortion pill. My wife and I always pay for the antidote medication, so I want to give you my credit card. And she goes, oh, Dr. Lyle, I can't take your credit card. I said, no, it's a good credit card. good. It's Amex. My wife pays the bills. It's good. (laughs) And she goes, no, you don't understand. She goes, I'm going to pay for this myself. When you have people that are engaged in saving lives, there's there's a connection between them. They can be time zones apart, but they are unified in serving the kingdom of our Lord. The Holy Spirit has touched their heart, and, you know, he's touched the hearts of these moms as well. My most recent abortion pill reversal, a girl is 15 years of age. She's 15, she's pregnant, and her mom finds out she's pregnant, and she drives her to Tallahassee to get the abortion pill. Her mom, while the daughter is status post swallowing the abortion pill and the daughter is asleep in the back seat of the car, the mom sees one billboard and says, what have I done? That is my grandchild back there. So she came home. She did a little bit of Googling and research. She, she brought her daughter. They were in my office the next morning. We did an ultrasound. We started the abortion pill medication the reversal medication. 10 days later, we had her back in the office. We did an ultrasound. We had a beautiful heartbeat. We saw her a week later. We have a beautiful heartbeat. We're going to have a healthy mom and a healthy baby. That is God that can just touch me. I'll I'll tell these types of stories in churches and people, and we'll say, we're going to talk about what it means to be redeemed. You know, when we are, it cost us, my wife and I, $109 to pay for the antidote medication. We are literally 
buying back that life of that baby. That baby has a 98% chance of dying and we are buying back the life of that baby. Well, that's what it means to be redeemed. But, you know, are we redeemed in our Christian life because of $109 worth of medicine? Nah, something much more precious. We're redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. All of us had a 100% chance of walking to death and eternal separation from God, but we are bought back. We are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are forgiven. And I have had so many people, men and women, come up to me after we tell these types of stories in churches and say, you know, I knew redeemed was a good thing. We sing about it, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, and all these things. But now I understand. I have a visual of what it means to be redeemed. So it's a time not only to redeem the life of this baby, but to share the gospel. And this is a spiritual battle. And we have to realize it's a spiritual battle. And if we're going to engage in a spiritual battle without our spiritual tools, which are prayer and scripture, we're not going to be victorious. And why is it a spiritual battle? Because we are told in Genesis 1.26, when God has created everything, he's made all the stars, the planets, the fish, the birds, the mammals, the oceans, the mountains. And then God stops and he says, man, people might think that's pretty cool that all that we've done. But then God says, let us make man in our image. And we're not created in the image of God when at two o'clock in the morning up and pushing with a mom for an hour and a baby comes out. That's not when we're created in the image of God. We were created in the image of God at that moment of conception. An illustration I'll give is why do people burn the American flag? I mean, what does that do? Well, the American mm. flag represents the image of the United States. They can't destroy the United States, but they want to attack the image that represents the United States. So they burn the flag. What is abortion at its core? It is an attack against the image of God. The, the person there that is in the womb, that God himself says, let us make man in our image. So abortion is an attack against that image, and Satan considers that a victory, just like Satan thought it was a victory when Jesus died on the cross, and he celebrated. But guess what? Three days later, Jesus conquered death, and he rose again. Every time Satan sees somebody, a woman, take the abortion pill, he considers that a victory because they've taken the pill, and that is going to be an attack against the image of God. But the same way, we have three days to reverse the effect of the abortion pill and redeem and bring back that life of the baby. So yeah, I love having victory in Jesus, but I love bringing defeat to Satan himself. And that's what the pro-life community is doing. Meeting the needs of moms so that mom, no mom stands alone in this time of crisis, but also we are bringing victory to Jesus, but also we are bringing defeat and destruction to Satan himself. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of this. This is just amazing and inspirational and just and just reflecting on like the experience that people have working in the pro-life world and experiencing like the body of christ like it's almost like you know sometimes the hand is connected to the ear and connected to the different body parts and we're all sort of like in unison so often when it comes to trying to achieve um well serving jesus in this in this effort of yeah, because we're yeah you know, because of image bearers because the image bearers are being rescued from the slaughter, and um, so here we are in the beginning of 2023. If you had to think of one, two, or three prayer requests, maybe pro-life prayer requests, what might they be for something to consider? You know, here we are in this new new time. You know, post row, 
you know, things are still very much in friction. Um, what are you, what are some of the things that you would like for people to hear and consider praying for while they're listening to this or maybe down the road this year? It's, it's a time for change. I mean, this is January 22nd, Sunday, January 22nd, 2023 will be the first sanctity of life Sunday since the reversal of Roe versus Wade. Uh, there was a proclamation made by President Ronald Reagan in 1984, where he proclaimed January 22nd of 1984 to be Sanctity of Life Sunday. At that time, he said 15 million babies' lives have been lost due to legal abortion here in the United States. And he called on people to gather together, to gather in their churches and pray for a change. Well, since that time, we have gone from 15 million and we have more than quadrupled that number to 63 million babies that have lost their lives, created in the image of God at the moment of conception. That is the equivalent of every man, woman, and child in the state of California plus the state of Florida. So where is this spiritual battle need to be initiated? It needs to be coming from our pulpits. If we're not going to hear the truth from our pulpits on a spiritual battle, how do we expect to be victorious? So we need to pray for our pastors. It's like, when Paul, Paul, who was my hero, who would go to a city, he'd preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then he'd get beat up, and then he'd shake it off, and he'd go to the next city and get beat up. Paul said, pray for me that I would have the courage to speak as I must. Paul, asking for courage? Yeah. We need to go to our pastors and say, hey, we want to know we've got your back. This is the most important battle that we are engaged in, and we need to be proficient. We've produced three videos specifically for Sanctity of Life Sunday. If you go to our website, which is prolifedoc.org, we have a three-minute video, a seven-minute video, and an 11-minute video that we professionally produced that we are making available to all the churches in the United States. So the first area of prayer is pray for our pastors, pray for our leaders, and then pray for the congregations to be engaged because this is not a problem outside of the church. There was a recent survey that was, that was conducted looking at congregations. And in the evangelical churches, they found that 18% of the men and the women in these congregations had personally been involved in an abortion. In the Catholic church, the number, the number was 24%. So if we have 18 to 24% of all the men and our women who are hurting from this past sin, and it's something that's in their past, but we have that. I mean, this is the role of the church to say, you know, Paul said, forget about those things which are behind and press on towards what's ahead. You know, we need to let them know, yes, that was wrong. Yes, it was a mistake. But the blood of Jesus is able to forgive all sins, including the sin of abortion. Forget about which lies behind and press on towards what's ahead. Everybody wants healing. Healing only comes from true forgiveness, and true forgiveness only comes through Christ. That is the role of the church, to give that message of the gospel, because are we going to win this with videos? Sure, they're helpful. Are we going to win this with stories? Sure, they're helpful. Are we going to win this battle with abortion pill reversal? Sure. But how do we really win this victory? The real victory comes from the gospel, because it is the gospel that changes hearts, it is the gospel that changes minds. It's the gospel that changes behavior. So if you want to win a spiritual battle, you've got to engage with the gospel. And you've got to engage with scripture and prayer. We have one offensive weapon. When you look at the, the, the helmet and the breastplate and you know the shoes and the, and the shield, the only offense if we had 
is the sword and the sword is the word of God, but it's got to start in our congregations. And from our congregations, we as Christians need to become more involved in politics. Sometimes we've just sort of sat by and we kind of criticize politics, but we need to get involved in politics. I mean, look at who got involved in politics throughout the scriptures. I mean, you know, Paul got involved in politics. You know, when you look at John the Baptist, he went to Herod and said, hey, you're sleeping with your brother's wife. That's wrong. He lost his head over that, but he got involved in politics. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel all got involved in politics. We were founded as a Christian nation that we were founded on these godly biblical principles. And we're not just supposed to succumb to that. We need to engage and we need to encourage each other. We need to link arms. And yes, we can win this battle. Look at the March for Life, which is coming up, you know, in just a few weeks up in Washington, D.C. Send groups from your church. Support people who are involved. Um, look at your pre local pregnancy center. How can you get involved? How can you financially support the work that they are already doing? Are they offering abortion pill reversal? Um, you know, look at organizations like Pro-Life Doc. Look at other organizations that are standing up for life. Heartbeat, um, CareNet. There are so many pregnancy centers that need your help. And even if you've been involved with a, you had an abortion in college, I don't care. You know, I've had moms come up to me and said, I'd love to get involved, but I can't. I had an abortion back when I was in college. I'm like, are you kidding me? You are uniquely qualified to understand the stress, the anxiety, and the fear that these women are going through. You, are, you can provide information and comfort that I could never do because I haven't experienced that. So we need to engage, lead with the gospel, be involved in prayer, be involved with uh, scripture, but get engaged because this, I mean, all of the things that we need to win this are on our side. The science is on our side and God is on our side. So can we win this? Absolutely, 100%. Wow. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, and just what a, yeah, pr praying for people to get involved, praying for the armor of God to be, yeah, to protect us from the, the darts while using using the sword for, for offense and using all of those other elements for, for defense and for protection while, while in this space. Um, and very often I think of us as like, we're trying to build build this culture of life so we're trying to like build it with bricks in one hand and then we've got our our sword in the other because essentially we're trying to we're trying to build build people up build up our culture while also having to defend ourselves and fight against uh, attacks that are coming to try and take down this wall take down this building up of our culture of life and so it's offense and defense both at yep. the same time regularly and there's so many areas of encouragement. You look at the all of the changes in legislation regarding abortion are really going towards our side. And where I really see a bright shining area is in our youth. Our youth are such visual learners and they just grasp on everything that we're putting up on the internet. They can see, I mean, we put things up on TikTok all the time. We do videos every week. You got to go where the kids are. You have to make it entertaining. You have to make it short. Uh, I mean, hmm. we put up a three-minute video on my body, my choice. Well, we disputed that because when somebody uses that as an excuse for an abortion, it's not her body. This is a totally different body, completely different person. 
I put it up, I recorded it right here in my office. In 10 days, we had over 400,000 views just on TikTok. We've wow. had videos with over a million views. So there's this hunger. And when we give these kids the facts as far as the science of how we treat the preborn as patients and they engage in the discussion, they win. We've just got to give them the tools so that they can be victorious on this. That's why we have a six-week curriculum coming out this summer on how to defend the preborn from a medical and a spiritual standpoint. I spoke at the University of Florida College of Medicine. That's where I did my residency. And we spoke on patients' rights. And we asked the students, if I have a patient that needs a blood transfusion or I have a, a patient that needs open heart surgery, but they weren't born in the United States, do I still have a moral and legal obligation to provide them access? And the young man in the back stood up and he goes, Dr. Lau, we've been taught here that a patient is a person is entitled to respect and bodily integrity. And it doesn't matter if that patient wasn't born in the United States. You need to treat them with respect and you need to heal them. I said, I agree. I said, one little detail. When I said they weren't born in the United States, they weren't born in the United States yet. And then we went through all the science of how, yes, we're doing open heart surgery at 27 weeks. We're doing blood transfusions, laser vascular surgery, spina bifida surgery. He came up to me afterwards and he says, Dr. Lyle, he says, uh, I got a feeling you believe in God. I go, yeah, it's my core foundation. He goes, he goes, I don't. He says, I'm an atheist. I, I just don't see this whole God thing. But he says, I'm here at the University of Florida College of Medicine because I respect patients' rights and I want to heal. He says, I just never thought of that the patients in the womb as being patients. He says, they were just babies. He says, well, I walked in here. My view on abortion was that it's a woman's right to choose at any gestational age at any for any reason. He said, but as somebody who's an advocate for patients' rights, he says, you've changed my mind. He says, I've been wrong on abortion. So if you can use that scientific argument on what he understands and he respects and be successful, then that is a genuine, I mean, we'll work on the gospel with this guy later, but for right now, he changed his heart on abortion just by understanding the science. So can we win it? Absolutely. We just have to give these kids the right information, give them the truth, and they will take off. Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance and irapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of irapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team. Shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not be long. He makes me lie down in green. He leads me by quiet blue. Yeah, though I walk through darkness, valleys, you are near me. Your protection and guidance are comforting me.
Ash.